Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. NWA takes down all their YouTube videos. New Japan Pro Wrestling confirms the continuation of a long-standing relationship, and I take you through the top 10 African-American pro wrestlers of all time. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whatever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. Uh, there was no wrestling yesterday uh, in the American side of things, and there was some stuff over New Japan, but I don't cover New Japan as much. So uh, we can get right into our breaking news. Uh, NWA takes down all their YouTube videos. There's no word yet on why NWA decided to take down all of its content, including previous episodes of NWA Power. The About section on the YouTube page still has all the links to NWA's various social media accounts and website. And recently, NWA was running episodes of Shockwave in December. NWA had to break for portions of 2020 due to the pandemic. So no word as of yet on why this has happened or when the videos will come back or if they will come back. I assume they will. Most of their content does run through YouTube. But a little odd to see from NWA. Uh, It was said, I believe in July, by uh, the owner of NWA that they plan on bringing power back. And which would make a lot of people happy. But a little odd to see once again uh, that all the content is no longer on their YouTube channel. New Japan Pro Wrestling confirms continued relationship with CMLL. New Japan Pro Wrestling have recently confirmed that the continuation of this long-standing partnership issuing a joint statement on New Japan Pro Wrestling 1972.com. Both companies assured fans that the global pandemic is the only factor keeping both promotions apart. So uh, nothing really to super dig into there. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and CMLL are both still working together, just they can't really get uh, contracts and uh, people to move overseas and stuff like that because of the pandemic. Uh, You know, AEW was allowed to do it. Uh, Not allowed in a sense, but they they found a way to do it. And the main reason why this is being brought up so much is because AEW has been uh, knocking down the forbidden door, if you will. And uh, for AEW to now be able to have New Japan guys and Impact and for AEW guys to be able to go in both of those places as well from a great working relationship, uh, people are wondering what happened to the long-standing relationships that we already knew. Obviously, with COVID-19 still going on, uh, things can change going forward, but issues definitely do prevail. New Japan Pro Wrestling and CMLL, and moral of the story is they're still together just waiting for things to die down a little bit. Moving on. I'm going to go through the top 10 African-American pro wrestlers of all time. And on the last day of Black History Month, I thought it'd be great to cap things off by looking back at the top 10 greatest African-American pro wrestlers of all time. Uh, There are so many great names that naming them all would lead to a five-hour podcast. So I wanted to keep it to 10, but know that I'm recognizing with this list not only the names that are on it, but the names that it represents and the progression of equality not only in professional wrestling, but the world around us. So let's get right into this list. At number 10, Ernie Ladd, a.k.a. The Big Cat. And before I tell the story of Ladd, the pro wrestler, I need to tell you the story of Ladd, the professional football player. He was drafted by the San Diego Chargers in 1961. 
and at the time he was one of the largest AFL players ever, standing at six foot nine and 290 pounds. Imagine that running at you on a football field. Ladd and the Chargers won the AFL championship in 1963. Ladd was a four-time All-Star and a three-time first-teamer in the AFL. Ladd would leave pro football in 1969 after a career-ending knee injury, sending him into the world of pro wrestling. The Chargers have recognized him as a team Hall of Famer. Ladd joined the WWWF and NWA. Uh, Ladd feuded with many popular wrestlers at the time, including Wahoo McDaniel, Andre the Giant, Bobo Brazil, Dusty Rhodes, and Mr. Wrestling. He would often call Andre the Giant in promos names like Andre the Dummy and the Big Fat French Fry, which I think is hilarious, as they would often work matches together given their size. So you can only imagine how big Ladd was compared to Andre the Giant. Uh, Andre the Giant obviously a little bit bigger, but finally meeting a foe that of the same stature and size. Ladd would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1995 and passed away at the age of 68 in 2007. Moving to number 9, Abdullah the Butcher. And uh, saying Abdullah the Butcher, he has a reputation of being involved in some of the most violent and bloody hardcore wrestling matches of all time. He has those trademark series of divots in his head, like scars if you will, and they are scars, that are due to the excessive blading he would do to draw blood from himself during wrestling matches. And the scars are so deep that according to Mick Foley, uh, Butcher is able to put gambling chips into his head. So... And and they would stay. Can you believe that? How deep those divots are into his head because of blading? Crazy, crazy world of professional wrestling. Uh, Butcher was never a man that won plenty of world heavyweight titles around in promotions, but was often viewed as an attraction that would travel from promotion to promotion as a, a sight to see. You know, the, the bloodthirsty animal of Abdul the Butcher. Uh, he had a questionable track record with pro wrestling, with all the blading and being criticized for making a match, a bloodbath, and making pro wrestling a blood sport. But his longevity and recognition around the world of pro wrestling lands him a spot on this list. And if you don't believe me when it comes to longevity, he wrestled from 1958 to 2010. You heard that right, 2010. Unbelievable. And uh, longevity for a guy that his main thing was bl- blading and bleeding. A lot that that really stands the test of time. Abdul the Butcher was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2011 and is currently 80 years old. At number eight, Sasha Banks. Oh yeah, one of two current pro wrestlers on this list. Uh, as a plenty of accolades you can name: NXT Women's Champion, five times WWE Raw Women's Champion. WWE SmackDown Women's Champion, which she currently is, two-time WWE Women's Tag Team Champion with Bayley, and the fourth WWE Women's Triple Crown winner. Not to mention her importance to the women's revolution in the mid-2010s. One of the main reasons why women's professional wrestling is so amazing today is because of Sasha Banks and what she did uh, during the women's revolution, coming from up from NXT and you know main eventing, uh, plenty of play- pay-per-views, and making her statement on why Women's wrestling is so fantastic in the WWE today. Uh, she has been the standard in the women's division, no pun intended, for the past few years and deserved to be recognized as not only one of the best black pro wrestlers right now, but one of the best pro wrestlers in the world right now, period. No matter the color of skin, she is one of the best of the best as it currently stands in the world of professional wrestling. I can't wait for her match against Bianca Belair. And uh, Bianca Belair can very well on the path that she's being projected at 
Uh, currently in the WWE with the racket strapped on her back. As she currently stands, she could definitely find herself on this list in two or three years, much like how Sasha Banks has found herself on this list. At number seven, Bobo Brazil. Credited with breaking down barriers of racial segregation in professional wrestling. If it wasn't for this man, this list could be very, very short. But this man is considered to be the Jackie Robinson of professional wrestling, breaking down those barriers very early on in the world of professional wrestling. During the time of segregation in the South, limiting African-American wrestlers to only wrestle other African-American wrestlers, Boba Brazil proved so popular that promoters put aside their prejudices in order to make money. Many matches with competitors such as Killer Kowalski, Dick the Bruiser, Johnny Valentine, The Sheik. He even faced Bruno San Martino for the WWF Championship. He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 1994 and passed away in 1998. Bobo Brazil considered to be, once again, the Jackie Robinson of professional wrestling. Breaking down barriers and making this list very, very long in a fantastic way. At number 6, the Junkyard Dog. He became the first black wrestler to be made the undisputed top star of his promotion. That came when he worked for NWA and then took his talents over to the WWF. And he's best known for his trademark gimmick, the dog chain during his entrance and with his entrance music being Queen's Another One Bites the Dust and his unique moveset with his headbutt and his upper body strength where he was pretty much able to suplex or throw around anybody in the ring no matter what size they were. Uh, he did have some championship success in Louisiana, but he's best known for his feud against Ted DiBiase in 1982. Junkyard Dog was posthumously inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2004. Junkyard Dog was taken from this world way too soon after a single car accident in 1998. He was only 45 years old. I remember Junkyard Dog mostly from the Legends of WrestleMania video game. He was a character you can play as. I played as him pretty often. Uh, a character that I didn't have much familiarity to when I was younger, but as I played with him more in the video game, uh, he was one of the guys that I would use all the time. And his headbutt move set I always thought was so fantastic almost like moving around like a dog in the ring bumping heads with their opponent while while he, the opponent was on the ground uh, I thought that was so unique and so interesting that uh, it really brought me in and that's why Junkyard Dog is at number six for me we're going to take a break and then we're going to go through the top five in the list of African-American pro wrestlers of all time and it should be it should be interesting we got one more current star that is on that top five and I wonder where uh, who you think it is and where you think it is. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on February 28th, 2000, Mae Young gives birth to a hand. On Raw of February 28th, 2000, Mark Henry and Crash Holly fought to a no contest for the WWF Hardcore Championship. During the bout, Mae Young gave a splash onto Crash and then collapsed in pain. Later on in the show, May gave birth to Mark Henry's baby, which turned out to be a hand. A hand. The world of professional wrestling, a very weird place. A very, very weird place. And a weird place for Mark Henry to be. Speaking of Mark Henry, at number five, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry. I had to put him on this list, and I definitely think number five is the perfect spot for him. 
Uh, and before we talk about his professional wrestling career, you got to talk about his powerlifting and his Olympic uh, Olympian status. He's a two-time Olympian, 1992 and 1996, and a gold and silver and bronze medalist at the Pan American Games in 1995. I, I want to talk more about his pro wrestling career, but if you look at his powerlifting numbers, they're really, really impressive. Really impressive. When he took time off in 2002 to do the the Arnold Strongman Classic, uh, the the first ever one, uh, he he dominated and he won that, and that really brought in the idea of him being that world's strongest man once again into the world of professional wrestling. Because you know he 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 competed in these Olympian challenges and in in the Olympics. Uh, Earlier in the 1990s, a lot of people didn't know if he is that world's strongest man anymore. And he did it. He did it again. He trained well for it. And it was something that Vince actually wanted him to do. And if he said, if you're going to do it, you better go win. And he did go win. So good for Mark Henry there. But looking at his professional wrestling career, uh, in the WWE slash WWF, he was able to reinvent himself through so many times, through the Attitude Era, through uh, to the end of his career, pretty much. He was able to transition into whatever he wanted to be. Uh, at the beginning, it was sort of that Nation of Domination idea, and even before that, it was more like the American idea of being that power lifter. After the Nation of Domination turned to that sexual chocolate, which we now know as the one that gave, that received the hand that I just talked about. I, I have to rub it in because I think that's absolutely hilarious. And, you know, this is the funny world of professional wrestling that we live in. Uh, he faced The Undertaker at WrestleMania and is the only black wrestler to do so. He then introduced the Hall of Pain and won his first world heavyweight title. And that title run, I, I don't think a lot of people will ever forget because it was a moment that a lot of people were waiting for given how long he was in the WWE. He never had a world title reign. He finally got one in the late 2000s, uh, early 2010s. Um, also, let us let us not forget that salmon suit that we see on the internet all the time when every time a picture of Mark Henry pops up, even if you Google Mark, Mark Henry, I think the first picture that pops up is him in a salmon suit. Because that is absolutely hilarious. I think it struck a chord with everybody that ever watched professional wrestling at that time. That salmon suit was top-notch stuff there, Mark Henry. Top-notch stuff. I got everything. Really, I, I can't rib Mark Henry anymore. I think uh, he was such a fantastic professional wrestler. And uh, like I mentioned, a guy that can really adapt with the times as much as he could. Uh, given uh, what he came in as, as that world's strongest man. And then was able to adapt into different ideas of that character eventually into that Hall of Pain gimmick that really suited him very well. So, obviously very fantastic for Mark Henry. Injuries would halt his career in the mid-2010s, but Mark Henry transcended the wrestling world with not only his powerlifting, but his fantastic love of the professional wrestling business. Now works as a producer for the WWE, also does a podcast and plenty of stuff. Mark Henry, he loves this business as much as anybody in the world. And uh, you really got to give him some love for that as well. Number five on that list was Mark Henry. Now, number four, we're looking at the second active member that is currently uh, wrestling and wrestling in the WWE. And that's going to go to Kofi Kingston. And you might think this is too high for him, but hear me out. Hear me out. Uh, Kofi Kingston is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, tag team wrestler in WWE history as he's a 12-time tag team champion, not only with the New Day stuff, but with other stuff with Evan Bourne and uh, multiple uh, partners he's had prior to the New Day. He won tag team gold. 
He's also a three-time United States champion, four-time Intercontinental champion, and a former WWE champion that we all remember from WrestleMania 35 at MetLife. Uh, Kingston was the first black superstar to hold the WWE championship since The Rock in 2013. And like I mentioned, one on the grandest stage in the mall, WrestleMania, no better spot to do it. Uh, Kofi Kingston originally started out his career with a Jamaican gimmick, with a Jamaican accent, and, you know, the Trouble in Paradise uh, moveset. They, you know, they really gave him a full Jamaican gimmick, even though he's not Jamaican. He's actually from Ghana. And from the tattoos on his back, uh, there's uh, Ghana symbols and uh, stuff like that uh, going towards his heritage. So for him to break out of that character gimmick that I believe he actually introduced to Vince because Vince enjoys characters and he ended up being stuck with it but then moving over towards the New Day type of gimmick uh, obviously not only I wouldn't say it saved his career but it pro definitely prolonged it and it made him a lot of money <laughs> because the New Day cash cow for the uh, WWE I think the New Day could honestly deserve their own spot on this list but I'm doing individual uh, wrestlers here but the New Day as a group could, uh, might deserve a, a spot on this list if we were doing groups here but definitely an honorable mention if we're talking about the New Day because what they've done for professional wrestling not only inside the ring but outside of it bringing a younger audience uh, into the WWE stratosphere as the WWE was trying to look for that at that time uh, they've really uh, broke some molds and the New Day, New Day weren't even supposed to exist and for them to now be still uh, continuing with that gimmick and continuing in such a successful level, uh, you can only imagine how much farther it can go if Big E wasn't over on uh, SmackDown doing his own thing. But I think that's also a great thing for Big E as well. Uh, Big E almost landed a spot on this list, and uh, so did Bobby Lashley almost landed a spot on this list that w as well. They find themselves, I think, a little bit in the the, the team mid-teens, and Big E maybe in the 20s right now, but put a couple title reigns on Big E more than an Intercontinental Championship. And obviously Bobby Lashley has done so much around professional wrestling. Uh, I'm sort of talking about current guys right now just to give a sense of where they all stand. Bobby Lashley probably could be like number 11 on this list, to be honest with you, just based purely off of what he has accomplished in the ring. Maybe not be the best on the microphone, maybe not uh, be the most fantastic in ring, even though he's extremely, extremely athletic. But what he's done uh, accomplishments-wise from numbers standpoint, uh, it was honestly up between at, at number 10 for Bobby Lashley. It was up between him and uh, Ernie Ladd, but I feel like Ernie Ladd had more of an impactful moment, while Biggie, not Biggie, Bobby Lashley had more of a accomplishment moment, if that if that makes sense. Yes, he has a lot of accolades, but those accolades don't really weigh much compared to Ernie Ladd's uh, origin story. That that was my logic there, and also my reasoning. But now we're getting into our top three, and I think these top three are, are undisputed. It's going to be very hard to put anybody above them or switch up this list because these top three really are the, the, the standard or the precedent of what it means to be an African-American superstar in professional wrestling. Number three, I'm going with Ron Simmons. Simmons is a one-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion, and... As the first African-American to win the title, he is recognized by the WWE as the first black world champion in professional wrestling history. A huge moment for professional wrestling when he won that World Heavyweight Championship. But not only was he amazing in the ring, he was also amazing before his professional wrestling career on the football field and is considered one of Florida State's greatest recruits of all time. 
Simmons played four years at FSU as a nose guard, and the Seminoles were 39-8 and during Simmons' years at the school, finishing in the AP's top 20 uh, rankings three times and earned back-to-back Orange Bowl trips after Simmons' juniors and senior years. Uh, Simmons' jersey and his number, number 50, is retired by FSU. Once again, a fantastic, fantastic football player. And outside the football standpoint, a fantastic professional wrestler because of him winning that WCW World Heavyweight Championship. He was the leader of the Nation of Domination stable while in the WWF and tag team with Bradshaw in the APA, which we all know and love and remember from the Attitude Era, uh, winning multiple World Tag Team Championships. Uh, He was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2012 and often appears on WWE television to say his trademark word, damn. Uh, The main point with Ron Simmons is he was the first uh, professional wrestler, uh, excuse me, African-American professional wrestler to win uh, a world championship. And that's how he's recognized and forever in history will be enshrined in that light, Ron Simmons. He might not get as much credit as he deserves now, given that every time we see him on TV, we smile when he says the word damn, and we get it, but we also have to realize the impact that Ron Simmons had on the professional wrestling world. At number two, Booker T. Through his time with WCW, TNA, and the WWE, Booker T has held a total of 35 championships. He is the most decorated wrestler in WCW history, having held 21 titles, including a record six WCW World Television Championships. He is the first non-mixed-race African-American to become a world champion in WWE. And talk about a man who's done it all, who's seen it all at an elite level, tag-teaming as a part of Harlem Heat, so being a part of an iconic tag-team, one of the best king gimmicks in the WWE history. You know how bad a king gimmick, a king gimmick can be, especially if it lasts for a long time, cough, cough, King Corbin. And we also seen some decent ones with uh, King William Regal and Sheamus Ram with the king gimmick for a little bit, but nothing, nothing compares to Booker T as a king, or should I say King Booker at the time. Nothing compares to that. And also working for all three major professional wrestling brands in the 1990s and 2000s, WCW, TNA, and WWE. He's seen it all. He's been through it all. He has all the stories to tell and has all the accolades to prove why he is one of the best in ring in uh, professional wrestling as an African-American. There's one reason why I can't put him at number one because now, just now, he's starting to transcend the world of professional wrestling. Uh, obviously, a lot of people have heard the Spinner Rudy, but not doesn't know exactly where it comes from. Uh, now the song Booker T comes out by Bad Bunny. Obviously, that's great for him, but it's a, a little late in the world of professional wrestling, in the world of of when Booker T was in his prime, for him to be truly recognized for the star that he is. Uh, that's the only reason I have him at number two. And at number one, I think there's no other person that you can put at number one when it comes to the top African-Americans in professional wrestling history. And that number one is The Rock. Uh, I think we could all assume that number one is The Rock, given that how much he has accomplished both in and out of the ring, especially out. Uh, he's a 10-time world champion, two-time intercontinental champion, five-time tag team champion. I can go through all his accolades. And... Uh, I can go through all the great matches that he had with Austin and the match he had with Triple H that sticks out of my mind, the latter match and 
the match with the Hulk Hogan and uh, Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, even though he didn't win that match, and then coming back uh, to the WWE facing uh, John Cena and, and Punk, you know, for him to be such a, a relevant and pre- a prevalent figure in professional wrestling for so, so long. And uh, he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, when it comes to working on the microphone and engaging a crowd. One of the greatest, even if he doesn't have a microphone, he's able to take a crowd. And there's a reason why he was called the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. There's a reason for that, and because The Rock was electrifying. He set a crowd on fire every time he entered into a room, even if he was just staring off into the distance, like how he usually would smell in the air, because you smell what The Rock is cooking. Uh, I can go on and on and talk about his matches, his in-ring performances, but in the big picture, in this case, I feel like it's more important. Uh, you recognize The Rock for many of our, of us, many of us as a professional wrestling fans. Uh, it, it, we wouldn't be professional wrestling fans right now if it wasn't for The Rock. We can all call back to moments where The Rock not only entertained us, maybe as kids or as, or as teenagers just getting into professional wrestling, but kept us coming back for more night in and night out. That is why The Rock was so fantastic for professional wrestling. Not only did he grab you, but he kept you there. And it was a familiar face you would see on TV every day. And no matter who you were, everyone had a connection with The Rock. Obviously, since his time in professional wrestling, his acting career has outgrown his career in professional wrestling. Uh, And he's now one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. So, yes, we could sit back and rest on our morals and say, yes, The the Rock was in WWF first and he was in professional wrestling first before uh, he got into the whole acting thing. But I think it's fair to say now that The Rock is more of a Hollywood star than he is known for his professional wrestling career. You might ask some people that go out and watch the latest Rock movie, and they won't even know that he's a professional wrestler. They they wouldn't even remember that, because just from random people on the street saying, oh, uh, I didn't know that he used to do professional wrestling. We're so enthralled in professional wrestling. Obviously, we know the fact of where he came from. But if you talk to the average uh, Joe Schmo that might not know a lot about professional wrestling and just know about the movie scene, they'd be like, oh, The Rock did professional wrestling. That, that's pretty odd. But hey, that, that's just sometimes the way it is. And But that, that really shows how much the impact The Rock has made, not only on the world of professional wrestling, but the world around us, without a doubt. And that's my top 10 list for uh, African-Americans in professional wrestling. And once again, I can go on and on. I could do a five-hour podcast, but I wanted to keep this list down to 10. And remember, I'm recognizing not only the names on the list, but also the names that this list represents. Uh, It's not about the names themselves, in my opinion. It's really about what these names represent as a whole. This fantastic, fantastic African-American professional wrestlers right now. One that comes right in front of my mind is Apollo Crews. He's about to set the world on fire when it comes to this new gimmick that he just put together on SmackDown. It comes from He's claiming to come from Nigerian royalty and really bringing it back to his roots. And I feel like now with this gimmick and now that we have more depth with Apollo Crews, we're going to see so, so, so much more from him. And he's going to be a superstar going forward. Another person coming right to the forefront, Bianca Belair. I talked about it before. I'll talk about it again. Uh, She's on the same path, I believe, that Drew McIntyre was on uh, last year around this time. And she is trajected to go straight to the moon. I I can't be more excited to watch uh, 
the, these African-American professional wrestlers because now we're really seeing these stars shine. We're really, really seeing these stars shine in the world of professional wrestling at a time that we really haven't seen in a long, long while. You know, and I want to also take a look over uh, at Impact Wrestling because they're doing a fantastic job as well. When was the last time, if you're a WWE fan, do you remember two black superstars wrestle in the main event of a pay-per-view? When was the last time? I think you have to go all the way back to 2000 or 2001 with Booker T taking on The Rock. That was the last time two black superstars main evented in a pay-per-view. Recently, Impact Wrestling, we saw Chris Bay take on Rich Swan for the uh, Impact World Championship. And coming up, we're going to see Moose take on Rich Swan. Moose, a uh, former football player and someone I've talked super-duper highly about and a fantastic uh, wrestler in his own right. Uh, they're going to be main eventing a, a Impact Plus pay-per-view as well. So Impact, it, I talk bad about Impact a lot, a lot, only because of the production value standpoint. But when it comes to uh, putting African-Americans on the main event scene, they've done it better than anybody else in professional wrestling at the moment. So Impact Wrestling gets kudos for that. Kudos for that impact, even though I don't give a lot of kudos to impact. But uh, at the end of Black History Month, I felt like this was the correct thing to do. Even though I would have liked to do this at the beginning, but this podcast started uh, in the middle of Black History Month. So I thought this was a great way to cap it off as we move over to the rest of our wrestling year. We head towards WrestleMania. We're getting closer and closer. It's about to be the start of March soon. And obviously, we're on this road to WrestleMania, getting closer to Fastlane. And I'm going to be here with you every day along the road. So make sure you tune in for the Daily DDT Podcast. And that's all from me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.